T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. His is a household name in many suburban homes, and if you like driving 70 miles per hour on Illinois' highways, you probably have him to thank for it. Now this Republican is running to take back one of the congressional seats the Democrats won just two years ago. This weekend, we catch up with Jim Oberweiss. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. State Senator Jim Oberweis is a businessman and investment manager. He's the Republican nominee in the 14th Congressional District, the seat now held by Lauren Underwood. She's the political newcomer who ousted Republican Randy Hulkgren in 2016. Jim Oberweis has twice run for the U.S. Senate. He ran for governor. He's run for the 14th Congressional District seat twice before when it had different boundaries. Congressman Bill Foster won those elections, and Mr. Oberweiss was elected to the Illinois Senate in 2012. Now, if you know his name, it could be because of Oberweiss Asset Management, the $3 billion family of mutual funds, but it's more likely because of Oberweiss Dairy, the business his grandfather started. He has grown that business and is now the chairman. Uh, we are practicing social distancing, even though, full disclosure, the 14th is my congressional district, so we don't live all that far apart. <laughs> this interview is being conducted via Zoom conferencing. And Jim Oberweiss, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Craig. It's a pleasure to be with you. Wow. Virtually. Uh, who knew 2020 was going to be such a tumultuous year? Uh, are you sure you really want to be on Capitol Hill with all that's going on, and why? Craig, look, um, a year ago, I was kind of looking forward to, I, this is my eighth and final year in the Illinois Senate, so I was kind of looking forward to uh, uh, this coming winter, playing some golf in Florida with my wife, maybe some tennis, maybe some pickleball. Uh, that was my expectation. But a funny thing happened on the way to Florida when Randy Hulkin lost that seat. Um, several people asked me to get involved to take the seat back because they believe it's important that we have people who understand what it takes to motivate business people and uh, entrepreneurs to risk their time, their energy, and their capital to grow businesses and grow job opportunities for people in this district. So after thinking about it, uh, I said uh, I would do that. I happen to have 24 grandchildren, and I'm seriously concerned about whether those kids, as they grow up, are going to have the same types of economic opportunities that, that you and I have. So rather than spending next winter uh, having a good time playing golf, I'm going to spend next winter uh, trying to help lead our Congress in the right direction for our country. Um, as you pointed out, uh, two, two years ago, 
the Republicans lost two seats in this area, the other one being uh, um, Peter Roskam's seat to uh, uh, Sean Cast. I mean, excuse me, to, uh, yeah, to Sean Caston. What political forces do you think are in play uh, now that improve the odds of the Republicans winning back those seats? Well, you have to remember that two years ago, J.B. Pritzker spent $170 million of his own money to get elected governor. Uh, he did a phenomenal job at identifying every possible Democrat voter and independent voters that they might swing, and then making sure that those people got mail-in ballots, harvesting those mail-in ballots, and making sure that if they hadn't voted by mail-in ballot, that they did vote uh, early or on election day. To be honest with you, uh, he did a masterful job at that, and he helped several, not just those two Congress seats, but a couple of state Senate seats that, that we never should have lost on the Republican side either. Um, so you know, give him credit for doing a good job with that money. But this year will be different because we are focused in the 14th Congressional District on doing exactly the same thing. That is identifying all the Republican voters, making independent voters who would lean our direction and making sure they get mail-in ballots and get out to vote. And while we're on the subject of mail-in ballots. Yeah, I was going to ask about that anyway. Let's talk about it. <laughs> uh, the, uh, as you know, we just had a shortened session of the uh, legislature in May, like four days. Uh, the governor would not allow us to come back until that uh, portion, of, portion of May to primarily pass a new uh, budget which, by the way, is an absolute disaster. I mean, any business person would have said, look, we're in tough times. Uh, we're struggling here financially. Let's, at worst, just freeze our budget from last year. Let's not increase spending. Let's, let's, let's hold everything or possibly look for where we could reduce waste, where we could reduce fraud, and where we could control spending and, and reduce spending. But uh, that's not what the Democrats decided to do. Instead, they decided to increase spending by another $2 billion to $43 billion from $41 billion. At the same time, they're projecting that our uh, income, our revenue, our, our tax revenue will decline by approximately $4 billion. So that means you're looking at a $6 billion additional budget gap where we're already in deep financial stress before this ever started. How is that going to be funded? Well, only in Illinois can you balance a budget by borrowing money, and that's exactly what they're doing. The Constitution calls for a balanced budget, so they say, okay, we'll just go borrow $6 billion, and therefore it's balanced from the federal government and cross our fingers that um, the federal government will forgive that debt. Now, I'm, I don't know that they will. I don't know that they won't. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but uh, that's not the way that, that the state should be operating, in, in my opinion. Now, while we're down there, they also brought up this bill to uh, uh, mail, to send mail-in ballots to uh, a certain group of voters. I at least was able to uh, argue against sending mail-in ballots, instead send mail-in ballot applications, which they did agree to do rather than mail-in ballots, because that would have made fraud so much easier. Uh, mail-in ballot applications makes fraud a lot more difficult. So that was the right thing to do, in my opinion, and the Democrats agreed to that. Um, however, what I suggested was, again, to save taxpayers millions of dollars of postage, why not just include that mail-in ballot application with the constitutional amendment information? As you know, we have an amendment to 
increase our income taxes, uh, uh, a constitutional amendment to increase those income taxes, and that must be mailed to all registered voters throughout the state. If you're going to do that, why not just include a mail-in ballot application to all of those voters? That's what would have made sense, but no, they didn't care about saving millions of dollars of taxpayer money, and I'll tell you why. They wanted that mail-in ballot application only to go to those voters who voted in 2018 and 19 and 20, which is insignificant, not to the voters who voted in 2016, not to the voters who didn't vote in any of those elections. And the reason is there were a lot more Democrat voters, as you just pointed out a couple minutes ago in 2018, than in 2016, whereas the Republican voters were uh, larger numbers in 2016 and less in 2018. So this gets down to raw, pure, political nonsense, in my opinion. The right thing to do would have been to save taxpayers millions of dollars by including it with a constitutional amendment, and at the same time, increase voter access to the mail-in ballot applications. Instead, the Democrats wanted to suppress the vote, and I think that was wrong. But now they would argue that uh, the idea of sending out more uh, uh, ballot or ballot applications is trying to get more people to vote, uh, especially with the threat of coronavirus uh, making some people afraid to go to the polls, and that they should cast as wide a net as possible. Craig, you didn't understand me. Let me say it again. No, I know I, you're saying that, but so was, you're saying they should have spent more money? No, they wouldn't have had to spend any money if you include it with a constitutional amendment. No additional postage whatsoever, and it would have gone to all registered voters. It is, I was one arguing for greater distribution to encourage more people to vote by mail-in ballots. It was the Democrats who prohibited it from going to more voters. But if it's not, and I don't want to prolong this because we have so many other things to talk about, but if it's, a, if it's separate, because if it goes out with the constitutional amendment, let's face it, that is one of those uh, issues that is going to be hotly debated and hotly divided, divisive. Uh, and a lot of people might want to throw that thing away when they get it. So why shouldn't the ballot application be something totally separate on its own without a potentially partisan issue attached to it? Because it wastes tens of millions of dollars in extra postage that's totally unnecessary. And by the way, I don't think many people are going to throw that away without opening it. They're going to open it up to see what's in there. They are going to see that there's a constitutional amendment in there. Hopefully, People will read that also, but even if they don't read it, at least they'd have that mail-in application right there in front of them. Well, let's go so on. So it was to, the Democrats uh, that tried that to suppress this all vote, this. and I think that was bad. Yeah. Let's move on to the uh, thing that has prompted a lot of this concern about whether we vote by mail or vote in person, and that's the coronavirus. Um, um, Jim Oberweiss, what do you feel Washington should be doing right now as the coronavirus pandemic seems to be uh, erupting again in places throughout the country. Look, this is, this is a very, very difficult subject. I was delighted to see that our president finally came out and supported wearing of masks. I think that when people are in groups indoors, it is important that, that we wear masks uh, and that we, and or at least that we maintain social distancing to prevent the rapid spread of this very contagious, very nasty disease. Um, having said that, uh, there were some silly things that were done in the state of Illinois, uh, because when you're outside, 
we have pretty good scientific evidence that the sunlight does destroy this virus in just a matter of a couple of minutes. So people are much safer outside than they are inside. In fact, some are arguing that the reason you're seeing a spike in Arizona, for example, is because it's gotten hot and people are staying inside instead of being outside. And if one person in a household is infected, they come in because they're inside for a prolonged period of time, they're infecting other people in that household. So what I think mistake that we made uh, here in Illinois uh, was, for example, prohibiting people to go out and walk on a golf course with friends and stay social distance, uh, prohibiting uh, uh, restaurants from being able to serve people outdoors, uh, which would have made all kinds of sense. And we have finally gotten to that point, uh, which I think was the right thing to do, but it took way too long to do that. On a national level, uh, I think we again have to encourage people to wear masks and to socially distance to, to help try to control the virus. But I think, uh, you know, we're, we're a nation of 50 states. I, I think states should be able to make those decisions uh, as to what they want to do. And in fact, even within states, there are great differences. For instance, the city of Chicago, I think, is quite different than uh, Marion, Illinois, or Carbondale, Illinois, uh, or uh, many of the downstate areas that have had relatively few cases of, of uh, COVID-19. And, and those counties, perhaps, should be able to make those decisions. But what do you say to those who feel that there's been mixed messages that in some ways have sparked some of the resistance that we're seeing to the restrictions that have been put in place? As you mentioned, President Trump himself just this week said, I think masks are okay because I look good in one. Uh, well, wait, wait, wait. He didn't say masks are okay. Said, he, he said, I've tried one good. and it looked good. It, it was, that's right. Um, look, I, I think that uh, um, this is a tough issue. It should not be a political issue. There's no Republican position. There's no Democrat position. We're one nation. We have to fight together to control this virus. So, so we really need to work together on this. Yeah, but hasn't it become a, an issue, a, a political issue now? Um, liberate, liberate some areas is, is, was one of the cries, but people are now say, showing defiance as a, a virtue of these kinds of restrictions. Well, I think that's because in some areas, we way overreacted. As I pointed out in Illinois, you couldn't have a dinner served outdoors by a restaurant uh, in a pretty safe way, a pretty safe area. And that, that when, when we had government overreaching in a case like that, it does cause resistance. And by the way, when you start putting people out of business, when you take away not only their income, but their net worth, their savings, their everything that they poured their heart and soul into, uh, that creates pretty strong resistance. And I understand that. Look, we now have eight restaurants of our own. And when, when they're shut, uh, boy, it, it puts a lot of strain on a business. There's no question about that. Um, just quickly, how satisfied are you with the way President Trump has handled the crisis? You know, um, I, there are a lot of things that this president has done that have really been the right things for our country, such as reducing some of the regulation, such as working on uh, uh, trying to get control of our illegal alien situation, uh, he did some things with, with trade that I, at the time I didn't think were the right things, namely uh, resisting NAFTA and uh, uh, putting on trade sanctions against China. But in hindsight, 
those work pretty well. He's gotten a better agreement now with, with Canada and Mexico than we had before. Uh, I think we've improved our situation with China and forced them to, to provide a little more uh, rights for intellectual property. Uh, so a lot of those things that at that point I, I wasn't sure about uh, turned out to be pretty good. Sometimes I don't like the way he does things, but what he's done, I think, has been pretty doggone good, and I'm, I'm very pleased with, uh, with the results of those things. On, on this whole virus situation, I think we've got to look two or three months from now, and in the same way, we're going to look back and see what we did right and what we did wrong. And I'm not sure we know that right now, because you have to reach a balance between destroying people's lives and not doing things to save people's lives. It's, it's a tough balancing situation. We know we made some mistakes in uh, uh, nursing homes, for instance, uh, with not providing more help and more protection for, for that elderly uh, population. And it, some, I don't know the numbers, but something like half of the deaths in Illinois occurred in nursing homes up until very recently. You're listening to News Radio 780's That Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. We're talking via Zoom conferencing with State Senator Jim Oberweis, the Republican candidate in the 14th Congressional District, trying to unseat Democratic incumbent Lauren Underwood. Well, we did see kind of a shift in the attention of the country because the killing of uh, George Floyd in Minneapolis basically changed the national conversation. We were talking about coronavirus, now we're talking about police accountability and police reforms. Um, do you think all this talk is about time or do you worry that the pendulum is swinging back too far? Uh, Craig, uh, obviously campaigning is a little tough under these circumstances, but uh, what I had been doing was a series of uh, tele-town halls where you know we dial 10,000 names and two or three or 400 people stand and and can answer questions, and I was bringing medical experts on. I'm talking about what we were doing in, uh, let's say, April and May. And uh, uh, people were very receptive and happy to have a chance to ask questions directly to medical experts about the situation. I was pleased and happy to help provide that service. Um, the, uh, uh, we, we had one scheduled for the day after this George Floyd situation uh, happened, and uh, all of a sudden, the, the questioners on the phone call did not want to talk about COVID-19. All they wanted to talk about was the George Floyd situation. I think this has awakened a, a real uh, resolution within this country. Uh, I think that uh, it, it is pretty clear that there were some bad apples on some police forces. They did some really bad things, and they're finally being prosecuted for murder or for very, very serious crimes. That is the right thing to do. Uh, but there are some some uh, uh, some bad apples in almost any profession. Uh, you know, we have some some doctors that haven't done a good job, and the doctors kind of stuck together for many years and wouldn't testify against other doctors. That has changed. The same thing has been true with police departments, where uh, no policeman would testify against a, a fellow police officers, and the the police union uh, fought that fiercely or promoted that fiercely to prevent one officer from testifying against another. That's just fundamentally wrong. We want the truth. If you got a bad apple, you've got to get that bad apple out of the barrel. Uh, and uh, uh, simultaneously, we have to maintain that record. We had a situation where uh, a police officer might have been found guilty of doing something bad in Chicago, and then he moves to uh, uh, you know Kalamazoo, Michigan, and gets a new job there, and they don't investigate or find out uh, what he did wrong in Chicago. 
that stuff's got to stop. Licensing is one approach to that that has been suggested. Uh, that might be an answer. I think there, there are a number of other answers. But, but you ask if I think this has gone too far. I absolutely support the right of people to protest what happened. In fact, I've been to one of those protest meetings myself. Uh, and I think it's great that people are willing to, uh, to take their time and their energy to do that. Uh, however, when we start talking about looting going on, uh, and this is just fundamentally wrong. That doesn't help in any way bring peace. And in fact, uh, you know, when I saw the, uh, the looting going on in North Michigan Avenue, I, I assumed it was just a bunch of bad kids breaking in to take advantage of the situation and steal stuff. And I called my friend, uh, Corey Brooks, Pastor Corey Brooks, who you might know, whose church is at 66, uh, 6640 South Martin Luther King Drive in the Woodlawn Englewood area uh, to ask him what was happening there. And I was shocked at his answer. His answer was, it is equally bad there. They had broken into every grocery store, every pharmacy. They were all closed as a result of the looting and rioting. And uh, pe many people in those neighborhoods don't have cars. They're used to using public transportation. So suddenly they had no way to get to grocery stores to get food or pharmacies to get their prescriptions filled. Uh, Corey Brooks, in my opinion, happens to be one of the finest, most outstanding, most caring individuals I have met in my entire life. The guy would do anything to help people. And he has organized a couple of major food drives, most recently a, a week ago last Saturday, where they helped 6,000 people in those neighborhoods. Uh, he asked if I would bring uh, milk. I drove a, an overweight dairy truck of, of milk down there. I stood there for three and a half hours handing out milk to people in need. They had two lines. One was a line of cars coming down and, and they'd have a station for fruits and a station for vegetables and a station for protein, a station giving away books. A, a company had donated uh, tons of books for kids when they're staying home for, for parents to be able to read to their kids. Uh, they had, uh, uh, you know, Pampers and they had Enfamil and all kinds of stuff to help these people. And I provided some milk. Um, and uh, uh, it was just heartwarming. They had two lines, one line of cars going along, and then they had another line of walkers, people who didn't have cars on the other side of the street coming through. So uh, that, that was a great experience. It was heartwarming to see how many people we were able to help. Uh, and uh, for anybody that's willing to help, uh, if they go online to Project Hood, uh, you can donate and help uh, what uh, Pastor Corey Brooks is trying to do. It's a great, great effort. Let me ask you about something that I know has not heartened you, and that's to you. You've uh, talked about the, uh, at least the, the slogan, defund the police, uh, and, and made a point of that. What do you see as, I mean, because I, I, I think People who say it mean seem to mean very different things depending yes. upon whom you talk to. It's a slogan, but it's not always what exactly people mean. What's your concern about it? Well, look, I think it's critical that we maintain funding for our police departments so that they can maintain uh, safety of, of all of our citizens. The idea that you're going to fire the whole police uh, force because there was one bad apple and there are two bad apples or four bad apples doesn't make any sense at all. And, and I think that uh, uh, our Chicago mayor has taken pretty much the same position. So it's critical that we support and we provide the right training uh, and the, uh, the right efforts to make sure that we root out any of the bad apples, but that we support uh, those who are risking their lives every day to make our city safe.
What about shifting some resources from the police budgets to things like uh, counseling or the violence interrupters or uh, mental health facilities? Well, look, I've seen proposals that uh, on certain calls that go to the police, uh, it, it might be better to have some type of social worker responding to those. Uh, and that may make all kinds of sense. I, I certainly think that's something that should be considered for sure. Um, for somebody who, uh, who believes in smaller government, I'd have to think, and we were talking a little bit about the budget before, but this has to be an agonizing time when you see that people are now expecting and demanding that the federal government do more. Um, how do we get through that without ending up with the kind of bigger government that you might have worried about? Craig, I'm, I'm very concerned about what this last $3 trillion uh, government expenditure did. When you print money like that, which is effectively what they did through the Fed, uh, there will be some significant economic consequences down the line. And I've tried to scratch my head and figure out what those results will be. Will it lead to a, a very rampant inflation at some point, which would be accompanied by much higher interest rates, which would make funding our government debt that much more difficult and would put Illinois into a disastrous position. Uh, that's, you know, I have an MBA from the University of Chicago and 40 years ago, it was dogma that when the government spends uh, significantly more money like this in a short period of time uh, and prints the money to, to fund it, you are gonna have higher rates of inflation, which will lead to much higher interest rates. But certainly that has not been the case so far. We have pretty tame inflation and we have extraordinarily low interest rates. Uh, those things can't last, and I'm not sure when or how that will change, but it will change. Uh, I think with this, uh, this last, uh, uh, the first $3 trillion program, uh, we made a fundamental mistake. Obviously, people were looking for help. It was right to step up to help, and I think uh, Republicans and Democrats got together to agree on that. But I think the mistake that was made with the PPP, uh, the uh, uh, Payment Protection Plan, uh, we should have said to companies, yes, you can get the loan, but it's only going to be forgiven uh, to the extent that uh, you have a net operating loss. If you're operating profitably under the circumstances that we're talking about, we're not going to forgive this loan. Uh, if, you have, uh, if you have losses, fine, we'll forgive the loan up to the amount of those losses. That would have saved taxpayers a huge sum of money and it to me, it would make all kinds of sense. There's no sense in, in giving companies extra money if we don't need to. Jim Oberweiss, why do you feel Lawrence, Lauren Underwood is not a better fit for the 14th district? I mean, she was elected basically on the issue of health care. Sure. Um, look, uh, we all support taking care of pre-existing conditions. That was an issue a couple of years ago. Uh, I have a son who suffers from MS. I'm well aware of the importance of, of maintaining that. But her idea of going to government providing healthcare for all is a failed idea. It makes no sense whatsoever. Government has not provided uh, uh, any services more efficiently than the private sector has. What we need is more transparency in the price of all these uh, uh, services, because frequently we don't know what these things cost and we need more competition. Our president has proposed a couple things that I had proposed 10 and 12 years ago, such as allowing the reimportation of American-made drugs from Canada to bring down the prices of drugs in this country. Uh, 
uh, although it will drive them up a little bit in Canada, it's still the right thing to do. It's not fair to ask all Americans to bear, uh, only Americans to bear all the costs of R&D for those new drugs. So that's going to be an issue. Uh, and uh, I, I, I'm more than happy to uh, debate that with her. You know, she ran as a moderate Democrat two years ago, but has voted like a socialist. Uh, that's not in line with the people in the 14th Congressional District, I'm sure. That's going to be the final word because uh, we are just about out of time. That is uh, Republican congressional candidate Jim Oberweiss. He is now an Illinois state senator and he's running for the 14th congressional district seat. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. You can just follow the podcast links. You can also find our podcasts on radio.com. I will be back next week with uh, another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.